they're often going to be competing against brokers who more than likely have a lot more money to spend on marketing than you do. Plus, the owner might want to actually list it with the broker and not go through the process of selling it off market for one reason or another. Best ever listeners, where are you going to be on February 22nd and 23rd? I am visualizing that you're going to be in Denver, Colorado, because that's where the best ever conference is, and that's when it is. February 22nd, 23rd. Go to besteverconference.com and even put in take five so you get 5% off your ticket. So that is T-A-K-E and the number five whenever you purchase your ticket. And buy now because ticket prices go up weekly. So go to besteverconference.com. You can read all about the conference, the agenda, the speakers. We've got an incredible speaker list focused on commercial real estate. So that includes five plus units if you're in multifamily. And you're going to get a lot of value from this conference. Go to besteverconference.com. It's the third time we've done it. It improves every year and we have raving reviews. I'm not just saying it. Ask people who have attended every year. Besteverconference.com. Enter take five, T-A-K-E five when you purchase your ticket and get an extra 5% off. Ticket prices going up weekly, so get it today. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode And for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome back to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-to of apartment syndication. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks. Each week, We air a podcast series about a specific aspect of the apartment syndication investment strategy. And for the majority of these series, we will offer a document, spreadsheet, or some sort of resource for you to download for free. All these free documents, as well as the past and future Syndication School series, can be found at syndicationschool.com. This episode is going to be part two of what will likely be a six-part series entitled How to Find Your First Apartment Indication Deal. So if you haven't already, make sure you check out part one where you will learn the seven or so things that you need to accomplish before you are actually ready to find your first deal. And those are essentially what the previous syndication school series have been all about, leading you to the point where you're ready to find your first apartment indication deal. And then we also talked about the differences between the on-market and off-market deals, as well as how the off-market deals can benefit both you as the buyer as well as the person selling the deal. And then we also went over the six factors that the seller will take into account when deciding who to sell a deal to. So these are the five or six things that will ultimately win or lose you a deal. Now, as I mentioned in the last episode, the two main deals are going to be those on-market and off-market opportunities. 
and the type of opportunity you pursue really depends on your preference. So you could just work with brokers to find on-market deals, or you can just implement the off-market lead generation strategy to find off-market deals, or you can do a combination of both. Starting out, you'll most likely be trying to work with brokers to get those on-market deals just because of the advantages of forming a relationship with a broker because they could send you off-market deals in the future. And it also will give you a lot of practice underwriting deals, analyzing markets, understanding rental comps by doing the on-market deals because you're usually going to be able to get your hands on all of the financials and You've already got an offering memorandum that you can at least in part trust the market info. So it's definitely helpful to, at the very least in the beginning, talk to all the brokers in your market and get sent on-market deals. And for the off-market deals, we're not going to talk about those at all this episode. We'll be talking about those most likely in the next episodes because there's a lot of different ways to find off-market deals. And so we'll probably just talk about all of them and it might cover two episodes, might cover four episodes. We'll see. You guys know I like to talk a lot, so it might be four episodes. But when it comes to finding on-market deals, those will be found exclusively through brokers. So in order to kind of maximize the number of on-market deals you get, because for single-family homes, duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, sometimes even five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten unit properties, you're likely going to be able to find those on the MLS. So a agent will list, at least for the two to four units, the agent will list the property on the MLS, and then as long as you're set up on the automated MLS list and that deal meets your investment criteria, so whatever criteria you send to the agent, so duplexes under 200 grand in area code 12345, then you're going to get that deal. It doesn't really matter what agent lists the deal, as long as they meet your criteria, you're going to get it. For apartments, it's not like that. So there is no centralized place where every single deal, or at least the majority of deals, get listed. Now there are things like LoopNet where a lot of deals go to. But LoopNet is not as detailed or as widely used as the MLS. So probably a large majority of the two to four unit deals are listed on the MLS. And I don't think that's the case for LoopNet when it comes to apartments. So instead, you need to actually work with individual brokers to get set up on their list. So what you want to do, and we've talked about this before on previous episodes, and we have a blog post about the ultimate guide to find a broker. But just to kind of summarize, what you want to do is you want to create a list of all the brokers in your market. So it's as simple as going to Google and saying commercial real estate brokers in Tampa, Florida. And then it'll give you a search results will be a list of all the brokers. So you want to go ahead and open up all those into new tabs. So depending on what market you're in, you might have five or ten brokers. But if you're in a place like New York City, you're probably going to have thousands of brokers. So if that's the case, then you most likely want to focus on the ones that have the top results. I'm not saying those ones are always going to be the best, but they're in the top results on Google. And they at least know what they're doing from an SEO standpoint. And then you're going to want to go ahead and reach out to all of those brokers. So somewhere on the website should be the contact information of someone at the office in your area. So, for example, if you find a large place like a Marcus and Millichap, then you're going to need to find the local Marcus and Millichap office on the website and then call that office. And you might just talk to an office manager who isn't a broker at all 
You just politely ask them if they can direct you to someone that represents and lists apartment deals in, in Tampa and mention that you're an investor looking for this type of deal to tell them your investment strategy and go from there. You might be able to get a hold of someone else at the office. I probably wouldn't go straight for the VP of the company right away, but find someone who's maybe the head of the local office and they'll direct you to someone lower than them to help you out. There's a smaller brokerage. You should be able to just contact the owner of the brokerage and their information will be on their website as well. But overall, some form or fashion, you need to reach out to these brokerages and find the person who can help you. And that's going to be the person who actually lists properties for sale. Once you do that, in your initial conversation with them, you're going to want to communicate to them your intentions to buy an apartment in whatever market you're looking at. The more specific, the better. So instead of saying, I'm investing in Tampa, Florida, say I'm investing in the markets in between these two highways, all the way up to Temple Terrace, for example. Kind of show credibility. You also want to tell them the size of the property, or at least the amount of money of the property. You're going to want to tell them the age of the property or anything else that you use to screen out your deals. And once you do that, then they should, again, depending on the brokerage, set you up on an automated list or at the very least provide you with a link to the landing page where they will list all of their properties. But I'd probably say 99 out of 100 brokers will have some sort of automated mailing list that once a deal that meets your investment criteria is listed, you will automatically get that deal sent to your inbox. So as I mentioned, you're going to want to reach out to as many brokers as you can in your market because the more brokers you reach out to, the more deal flow you're going to get because one deal is not going to be listed by multiple brokers and one deal is not going to be found at some centralized location that you can go back to to find every single deal that's for sale. At least not that I know of. And obviously, when you're first starting out, these are they're going to be the only deals you get from the broker. But... One of the main reasons why you want to focus on reaching out to all these brokers and working with them on their on-market deals is because ultimately you want them to send you off-market opportunities. Because you think about it, sure, you can do direct mail, cold calling, cold texting, Facebook ads, things like that in order to find off-market deals. But at the end of the day, these brokers, that's what they're doing as well. So you're not only competing against other investors who are going to be doing lead generation strategies to find off-market opportunities, but you're also going to be competing against brokers who more than likely have a lot more money to spend on marketing than you do. Plus, the owner might want to actually list it with the broker and not go through the process of selling it off-market for one reason or another. So yes, again, sure, you can find off-market deals yourself, or you can spend six months to a year cultivating a relationship with a broker who will send you off-market opportunities. So before they actually list the property for sale and go through the process of making the offering memorandum and having to worry about the headaches of doing multiple property tours, multiple Q&A sessions, all those things that the owner doesn't want to do either. Instead, they could send you the opportunity before listing it on the market. And that's one of the main ways Joe finds his deals is through these broker relationships. Now, of course, the problem is that since you haven't done a deal before and you've got minimal experience and no one really knows who you are, you have to ask yourself, why would a broker send you an off-market opportunity if they have a list of four other investors who they've closed $100 million in deals with each? Why would they bring it to you as opposed to them? That's going to be a pretty big problem starting out, which is why I said you're going to be cultivating those relationships for a while. Because at the end of the day, the broker cares the most about closing because that's when they get paid 
So they're going to trust someone who they've done deals with in the past to close more than they're going to trust some guy who found them through a Google search and talked to them one time and is asking them to send them their best off-market deals. So instead of doing that, don't really expect off-market deals right away, but there are a few things that you can do in order to win over a broker at a faster pace. So rather than doing it in a year, maybe you can do it in six months. Rather than doing it in five years, maybe you can do it in two years, kind of depending on the market and kind of where you're at right now. So one thing to think about is how a broker qualifies who they work with. Because the best brokers don't work with just anyone because they have to prioritize their time and focus their efforts on the people who, again, are going to get them what they want, which is their commission at close. So Joe interviewed a top broker in Washington, D.C., I believe, might have been about a year ago. And one of the things Joe asked him was how he, as a broker, will qualify a new investor who reaches out via email or or phone call. And kind of the five questions that this broker will ask a new client are, number one, have you ever completed a deal before? So obviously, if you've done a deal before, you're going to be perceived as more credible than someone who has not done a deal before. So it's really a yes or no answer at this point. If the answer is no then you're not out of luck yet because we're going to discuss in the next section how to win over a broker before you've actually closed a deal. But for now, a top broker is going to ask you if you closed a deal before. And if you haven't, you're going to have a very hard time working with them in general, more than just being put on their email list. Question number two is going to be, can you send me examples of what you've done before? So assuming you've done a deal before, they want to know what type of deal that was. So was it a A-class property or a C-class property? What was the purchase price? Was it a million dollars or $10 million? How much money did you make on that deal? Cash on cash return, IRR. Were you happy in the investment? That is, did it meet your projections? Was the level of deferred maintenance what you thought it was going to be? Things like that. With the purpose of trying to understand what you are actually used to as an investor. So if you're used to buying $10 million properties, they're going to approach you differently than if you're used to buying $100,000 duplexes. Next, they're going to ask you if you understand the market, which you do because you've listened to syndication school and you followed the market evaluation steps we talked about in the previous syndication school series. So if they ask you if you understand the market, you say yes, and then tell them a little bit about the market, what business are moving in there, what are some of the population trends, employment trends, median rent trends, occupancy trends, things like that. Because at the end of the day, the best brokers don't have time to educate you on the market. So sure, you can ask them after proving to them that you know what you're talking about when it comes to the market. Then you can ask them, what are your thoughts on this specific area? But something you don't want to do is if they ask you, do you understand the market? You say, well, no. Tell me about the market. What's the unemployment rate here? They don't have time for that. Again, they're prioritizing their time to close deals and educating someone on a market not necessarily getting more closings from that. Sure, that person might eventually close on a deal, but their time can be spent better elsewhere. So make sure you understand the market before talking to brokers. Number four, they're going to ask you how will you finance a potential deal, which is why before you start looking for deals, you need to have A, your debt lined up, and B, your equity lined up. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to have a pre-approval letter from a lender nor does it mean you need to have 10 investors with $100,000 given to you in the bank account. For debt, you need to have a conversation with a mortgage broker to have an understanding of the type of loan programs you're going to qualify for and what you need to do in order to qualify for the loan program. 
and making sure that you know you know who's going to be the person signing on the loan. And number two, for the equity standpoint, as we talked about in the syndication school series focused on passive investors, you're going to need to know how much money you're capable of raising. And ultimately, they're going to want to know, if I brought you a deal today, could you close on it? And the answer should be yes. You should have enough in verbal commitments from your passive investors, as well as a kind of head nod from a mortgage broker saying, yeah, if you find a deal of this size, we should be able to qualify for loan as long as you bring on a loan guarantor who has experience with a similar size property, as well as a net worth of this, this, and the liquidity of this. If you say no, then you're kind of wasting their time. And then lastly, number five is going to be what are your goals? So this one right here is not as important as the other four, but it's still going to be an important question because they're going to want to know if you have realistic expectations of what you're able to accomplish in that specific market. So for example, if your goal is to make a million dollars per month in cash flow, but you're only buying properties worth a million dollars, then that's not very realistic. That's basically impossible. Whereas if you have more realistic expectations of we're running an annualized cash and cash return of 8% for five years, and at the five-year exit, we're looking for a 15% IRR at least on a property that's $10 million, we plan on raising the rents by 150 things like that. What are your specific goals for the deal, and are they realistic? And they're also going to know, do you have the team members in place to actually achieve that goal? So if your plan is to do a value-add deal, then who is going to be the property management company managing that? What's their experience doing value-add deals? So again, they want to know what if your goals are realistic and if you have the pieces in place to actually achieve those goals. And those are the five questions that the top broker in the market is going to ask you and that you should be prepared to answer before you even start reaching out to the top brokers in your market. Now, as I mentioned, that first question, have you ever completed a deal before? If your answer is no, you're not out of luck just yet. Again, it's going to be difficult to work with the top broker, but you're still going to be able to cultivate relationships with the top broker or top brokers or just brokers in general in your market and kind of expedite the time it takes for them to send you off-market deals as opposed to kind of just really doing nothing with the broker besides that initial conversation. So in order to win over a broker before closing on a deal with them or a deal in general, and to expedite the time for them to send you the off-market opportunities, number one is going to be to pay them a consulting fee. So if you need their help with anything, for example, if you want to talk to them on the phone for half an hour to pick their brain about a market, you can offer to pay them a fee of $50 to $100 an hour. So hey, do you mind if I hop on the phone with you for 30 minutes to talk about this market? I will pay you $100 per hour for your time. So it's you essentially telling them that you know how valuable their time is and how valuable their expertise is. And they're not necessarily take advantage of them, but you're not going to waste their time by just asking them questions for 30 minutes and thinking that they've got all the time in the world to help you out and that you're the center of the universe. Instead, you're kind of reversing that and saying, hey, you're really smart. I really want to pick your brain. I understand how valuable your time is. I'm even willing to pay you in order to teach me about the market. That's number one, offer a consulting fee. Number two is going to be to drive their recent sales. I've had a lot of success with this strategy. And essentially what you do is after initially talking to the broker, telling their investment criteria, say, hey, I really want to get to know the market on a street-by-street level. 
as well as learn a little bit more about the opportunities that your company lists. Could you send me a list of your most recent five to 10 sales? All I need is the address, but if you have a sales package, that would be even better. I would like to drive these properties and offer you my feedback on how these properties relate to my investment strategy. I haven't had anyone say no, but I have had it where they only send the address and nothing else due to confidentiality reasons. But I've had some people send me the actual offer memorandum too, which is helpful because you can kind of use that to screen the broker to see, okay, here are the rental comps that they listed. So let's drive the subject property and the rental comps to see are these actually rental comps or not. If they aren't rental comps, then you're going to have a little bit less trust in that broker. But the idea is to get the list of recent sales, drive those recent sales, take notes on the actual property, the condition of the property, the location of the property. And then once you're done, go back to your desk and send that broker an email with kind of a pros and cons list as it relates to your investment strategy. So you say, hey, Billy, I went and drove those 10 properties. Thanks again for sending me those lists based off of my tours. Here's the things that did and didn't align with my investment strategy. And then property number one, perfectly aligned with my investment strategy. I really liked the way the property was maintained. The location was great. The gated security, which I really liked. Demographic was ideal. The only negative was I saw a shingle missing from the roof. Is that something that's pretty standard at these properties? Or is that because the owner won't pay for that? Or is it something to do with whatever? Questions like that. And then if it's a really bad property, I would just try to find some positive about that property, but then say, hey, my investment strategy is to buy properties that are built after 1980, whereas this property was built in 1960. I also saw that the foundation was wood frame, whereas I only want concrete foundation. So again, not only are you showing them that you are willing to put forth the effort to close on the deal, but it's also giving them an idea of the types of properties that you want to invest in. That's number two, drive the recent sales. Number three is going to be to underwrite the deals quickly and visit the property beforehand. So if a broker sends out a new deal, your goal should be to underwrite it within the first few days of it being listed, as long as it meets your investment criteria, obviously. And then you can go visit that property that weekend in person. And then that next week, a week after the property has been listed, you can reach back out to that broker and say, hey, I saw that you listed this deal. I've underwritten it and it kind of passed the first phase of my underwriting. So I went ahead and visited the property in person as well as visited the comps. The comps look great. You selected the perfect comps. Can I set up a property tour to the inside so I can finalize my underwriting? So that's a lot better than saying, hey, I saw that you listed that deal. Can I schedule a property tour? So at the end of the day, you're going to still tour the property, but you put work in up front to, again, show the broker that you're a serious person who is interested and capable of closing on a deal. Number four is going to be to complete the market evaluation, which you've done already. But again, if you reach out to a broker and you are in the Tampa market, you can not say send them a spreadsheet of your market evaluation, but just tell them why you picked that market, why you're investing in that market. That can be on the phone or in an email. And we kind of already went over that. You can say, hey, I really like this specific neighborhood because I know that this Fortune 500 company plans on moving there, which is going to generate 10,000 new jobs in the next five years. Again, show that you're serious, credible, and close on a deal. Number five is going to be to provide information on how you'll fund the deal from an equity and a debt standpoint, which I've already talked about, so I'm not going to focus on that one too much. Next is going to be to bring on a sponsor or a mentor. So if a broker asks you, have you done a deal before? 
and you say no, but my partner, who in, you know, in reality is like a mentor who might be signing on a loan, but you say your partner because at the end of the day, they're going to be a general partner. My partner has closed on over $460 million in real estate. So there's that. <laughs> and that'll be very wowing to the broker and let them know that they're in good hands. And then lastly, and this is just kind of general, is to follow up and contact the broker frequently. So try to have a point of contact with them every two weeks with some new relevant piece of information. It could be after you drive their recent sales and then for each deal that you underwrite. And then if you see interesting economic development, you can send that to them. If you brought in a new investor, that would change the size of the deal you can take down. You can let them know that. If your mentor closed on a deal, you can say that your partner closed on a new deal. And in general, just try to keep yourself in front of them constantly to let them know, again, that you're serious and that you're in this for the long haul. Because I guarantee you, the majority of people that reach out to these brokers just talk to them once and then disappear. So you do not want to be the person that disappears. Instead, you want to be that person that they see and they hear about at least once every two weeks. So that concludes part two. In this episode, we discussed how a top broker will qualify you as well as the six or seven things you can do to win over a broker if you actually haven't closed on a deal yet. So to listen to part one, as well as other syndication school series about the how-tos of apartment syndications and to download your free documents. And there will be a free document for this series, just not for these first two parts. Visit syndicationschool.com. Thank you for listening, and I will talk to you tomorrow on Follow on Home Friday. Best ever listeners, best ever conference. That's where you want to be, February 22nd and 23rd in Denver, Colorado. Put in the code TAKE5, T-A-K-E, and the number 5 to get an extra 5% off. Ticket prices go up weekly, so buy it today, besteverconference.com. You can read all about the conference at the website, all about the speakers. You can read about them and what you will experience when you're there, besteverconference.com. Have you heard about the latest podcast for entrepreneurs called Tough Decisions? Listen to Dan and Danae Hanford as they interview successful people from around the world about tough decisions as entrepreneurs. Visit toughdecisions.net and be sure to subscribe to their free weekly entrepreneurial email. That's toughdecisions.net.